Hello, my name's Ian Forth, and welcome to Sombrero Fallout, where we listen to alternative music through the lens of intriguing themes. Welcome back to Sombrero Fallout. Can't help but notice that it's been rather a strange year so far. No sooner had the bushfires cleared and we'd done a fundraising episode than uh, poor old Andy Gill from A Gang of Four passed on. We did a obituary episode in tribute to him. Now we're in the middle of a, a worldwide pandemic, which I'm sure, even if you're listening to this in a few years' time, uh, you'll probably vaguely remember. So I thought what we'd do is have an antidote, not literally, to all of that uh, and have a glam rock episode which was meant to be a fun, upbeat antidote to the early 70s which were again rather a depressing time. We may not get through all of these but at various times this evening you'll be hearing from um, Iggy Pop, Joan Jett, Bonnie St. Clair, maybe Mott the Hoople, maybe Wizard, Roxy Music, more recent glam pop from Morrissey, The Fall, The Auteurs, The Associates in the Darkness, uh, Adam and the Ants, but also all the way back to T-Rex. And starting this evening's uh, entertainment with this. Home, at Work, at Play by Sparks from their second album, As Sparks, Propaganda, uh, following on from their very successful first album, Kimono My House, which yielded uh, This Town Ain't Big Enough for Booked of Us, 
uh, and Amitraram. They were certainly uh, sparks. Ron Mayle and Russell Mayle, the eccentric brothers, were in the vanguard of the glam rock uh, movement, um, although they have many other strings to their bow, as many of the other uh, artists that we'll be hearing on tonight's program did as well. But they found a kind of epicenter around about, what, 1974, somewhere around there, just as Britain in particular was experiencing oh whole, all sorts of terrible things. Had a, had a four-day week, had lightning um, cut-offs of the electricity, so you'd be sitting sort of quietly at home and drrr, all, the, all the lights would go out. Couldn't even watch TV, obviously, like no electricity. Uh, the miners uh, were um, striking, I suppose, or had these sort of lightning strikes. Quite often, we'd have a three-day week. Football matches were played uh, during the day, not at night. No floodlights, etc., etc. Uh, some similarities with today's time, which is why uh, I thought this might be a particularly appropriate episode. But the uh, long shadow of uh, glam rock um, spilled into the future, and there were bands uh, in the future who um, uh, adapted the, the glam rock motifs um, and had a go doing it themselves, even though. It's clearly no longer 1974, and here's one of them. Gang, Our Gang, by the Auteurs, uh, from their album How I Learned to Love the Boot Boys. Uh, and that's Luke Haynes, who I've just discovered has um, <coughs> hooked up with um, Peter Buck from R.E.M. Um, to produce an album. I haven't heard it yet, and it sounds very interesting. Mm. Now, you're probably saying, Ian, I didn't actually live uh, through the great glam rock era that you're describing. Indeed, many of you won't even have been born then. So, could you just fill us in. What was glam rock? Certainly, I reply. Glam rock, it says here, is a style of rock music that developed in the United Kingdom in the early 1970s. I told you that. Performed by musicians who wore outrageous costumes, makeup, and hairstyles, particularly platform shoes and glitter. Glam artists drew on diverse sources across music and throwaway pop culture, ranging from bubblegum pop and 1950s rock and roll, to cabaret, science fiction, and complex art rock. The flamboyant clothing and visual styles of performers were often camp or androgynous, and have been described as playing with non-traditional gender roles. Yes, indeed. So, there's a, a brief introduction, and we go all the way back to that uh, halcyon 1970 period, for music anyway, not perhaps so much in society and culture, with another track from the time. Baby, if you just say you care for 
party on Saturday night. Are you gonna be there? Well, I got my invite. Gonna bring your records? The Stone by Mott the Hoople, probably better known for All the Young Dudes, which unfortunately for them was their only big song that was written by someone else. It was written by David Bowie. That happens sometimes, doesn't it? Happened with Harry Nielsen, who's huge hit. That Probably the only one that most people can remember. Without You it was actually written by somebody else. Badfinger, I think. I digress. Many artists, as the years went by, had the tip the hat that did a little kind of tribute to those glam days. Uh, Morrissey, unfortunate, the unfortunate Morrissey these days. But let's not, let's separate if we can the artists from the work. And there was a period in the mid 90s, two albums, Your Arsenal uh, and the other one whose name is temporarily got Vauxhall and I. That's the other one. And this is from Your Arsenal. Um, and it's, it's quite a stompy album. When he was on Desert Island Disc, that program, you go on the radio and you choose your, uh, your all-time favourite eight songs. He, <laughs> he really zeroed in on a very narrow period, which you're not supposed to do. I think you're supposed to uh, have eight songs that reflect the journey that you've taken through life. Well, he didn't do that. And, and all his songs are about the same two years in the same genre. He loved glam rock. I think he was the president of the New York Dolls fan club. And although New York Dolls could be included in a glam rock um, episode like this, I mean, hang me out to dry. I'm not that big a fan of the New York Dolls. It's just the way I roll, so you won't be hearing them. This, on the other hand, is Morrissey. <laughs> Everyone lies First day with the giant 
The clue is in the title. It's called Glamorous Glue, and that's from Morrissey from the album Your Arsenal from round about 1994, I believe. Now, 20 years before that, there's a band whose lead singer turned into a bit of a lounge lizard, not to be taken seriously. But the first two or three albums from, from this band also featured one Brian Eno, and the combination of Brian Ferry uh, and Brian Eno in early Roxy music formed a magical cocktail. So chic to the rebel of the week. Virginia Plain by Roxy Music. Name of a brand of cigarettes, not Roxy Music, but Virginia Plain. From the time, which the time is, we're discussing here in 1970s, and then we're going to go forward in time. We're going ping pong, back forward, back forward. I was working in advertising about 15 years or so ago back in London, latter period of my time there. And uh, in advertising, sometimes you, you put a mood tape together to explain to a client the feel, the, the timbre for the kind of ad you advertising you want to run before, obviously, um, anybody signed off on the production of the advertising itself. What's the mood going to be? And uh, some young creatives said, oh, just this track's just come out. It's great. It sums up the mood for this brand. It was Bacardi. Uh, <laughs> and I listened to it. I thought, yeah, that's great. And this is the track in question. Touching you 
Many bands that come out of East Anglia that are great. There aren't many bands that come out of East Anglia. That's uh, that's a great band that came from out of Lowestoft in Suffolk, The Darkness, and I believe in a thing called love. I'd also add in, let's see, Grandma from Norwich, a new band who I feel very strongly about. They're fantastic. You'll be hearing more from them in the future. With glam rock, there wasn't a great female representation. Susie Quattro, yes. There was almost no English glam representation. But there was, from one or two other countries, what one might call glam rock. A little bit later, Joan Jett did uh, a cover of Do You Want to Touch Me There? Brackets, oh yeah. Uh, And it's a cover of a song by Gary Glitter. Now, we're not going to give Gary Glitter any oxygen because uh, the guy's a paedophile. And we don't want to hear any more from him. But the song's a good one, and the cover's a good one. Again, divorcing uh, the content from the author. And if we go a little further afield to the Netherlands, there was a, a band called St. Bonnie with a female singer. don't know if she's actually called St. Bonnie herself. I rather doubt it. I'm just, uh, we're going to line these two tracks up now, see what you think.
Okay, Sam, why not? That's clap your hands and stamp your feet. And uh, I did a, a disservice, I think, previously. Her name is not Saint Bonnie at all. It's Bonnie Saint Clair. Goodness me. Uh, not, not necessarily a household name, I will wager, apart from maybe in the Bonnie Saint Clair household. But, uh, well, that's it. And before that, you heard <coughs> Do You Want to Touch Me by Joan Jett and the Black Hearts. I think Joan Jett was the subject of that film, Almost Famous, starring Kate Hudson, certainly based on her lifestyle. Was it Kate Hudson or was it Kristen Stewart? Kristen Stewart? Mm, I can't remember now. Uh, now, we move forward, press forward on the ping pong of the years, and we head towards 1977, big year for David Bowie, whose spectre hangs over this episode. I'm not going to be playing a David Bowie. You know him well enough. But he produced two albums by Iggy Pop that year. One was The Idiot uh, in, earlier in the year. And then later in the year, as well, by the way, as producing his own albums, Low and Heroes, um, he helped produce and wrote and did backing vocals for Lust for Life, made famous on the Trainspotting soundtrack. And this is a track from Lust for Life called Some Weird Sin and I've chosen it for its glam component. <laughs>
Some Weird Sin by E. Pop Band. Talking of 1977, when that song came out, of course, punk rock arrived in 1977. And uh, one of its forefathers, I would strongly suggest, was um, glam rock. Tempted to play something like Holidays in the Sun by the Sex Pistols. I might play that on a future episode. Very good. Uh, but uh, you'll see the connection, I think, if I were to d- do so. It's a strange time, because you could also play something like the Bay City Rollers. <laughs> uh, that would be a triangulation and a half, wouldn't it? I suppose a triangulation and a half would be a four-and-a-half-pointed shape, but uh, you, you get my drift. Talking of punk, uh, the great wash-up in the post-punk era threw up uh, many bands who had very little in common with each other, and Marky Smith would cavil if... Uh, we were to say that he really was a punk rocker, he was not. But his band, The Fall, flourished in the wake of punk in the post-punk era. Many years later, in the early 90s, on the album The Infotainment Scan, I believe it was, uh, he produced his own tribute to uh, glam rock called, fittingly, Glam Racket. <laughs> by the fall and during that post-punk era other things emerged one of which was kind of tribal beat that was pioneered by Bow Wow Wow and then the band almost wholesale went over to back Adam and the Ants and I guess uh, this is one crazy offshoot of glam rock kind of is Uh, ant music if you like and this is uh, Adam and the Ants and Dog Eat Dog
dog eat dog by Adam and the Ants. I realise I haven't sort of brought you up to speed with what's happening in the fourth household recently, if, you've, uh, if you're interested. Some of you may be. Um, my middle son, Adam. Uh, <laughs> it's not Adam. I think I know the name of my own son. It's Alex. He's gone out to a New Order concert tonight. We were going to go out to a New Order concert, my wife and I, uh, tomorrow night. But uh, it's been cancelled because of the coronavirus. Now... What's the difference between one concert and another? I do not know. But, you know, them's the vagaries. <laughs> it's half man, half biscuit said. I've seen, I saw the Pixies again, reunion tour earlier this uh, week. They were excellent, actually. Uh, and last week, I went with my younger son, Scott, to see Bill Callahan in concert. It was quite restrained, but it was an enjoyable evening nonetheless. There won't be any more concerts for quite a long time. So, um, I'm glad I made the most of them while I could. I don't know how much longer this is going to go on. If you're listening to this in the future, you'll know. But dr dramatic irony, we, we just don't know, do we? I'll, I'll, next time round, I'll fill you in on what's happening in my, uh, in my own life. It's all very quiet, I can tell you that. Now, back to uh, the early 70s. And here's a smash hit glam song. Metal Guru, in case you hadn't spotted, by T-Rex, smash it number one. Lead singer Mark Bolan. I don't think Mark Bolan was a very nice guy, actually, but it's a great song. That seems to be a theme that's emerged uh, unexpectedly. I didn't intend it. The gap between the creator and the created theme for a postmodern thesis. Don't think I'm going to write it. I think my thesis writing days are over. They didn't actually ever begin. Now, you might be sitting there wondering, is all glam rock the same speed, the same tempo, Ian? Generally, yes, is the short answer. But I think I've uh, identified what's effectively a glam song at half speed. It's a very good song from uh, the Associates album, Fourth Draw Down. It was a single. See if you agree, it's called White Car in Germany.
White Car in Germany by the Associates and to play us out, probably the insanest, biggest, craziest glam rock hit of them all.
Ah, oh, they don't make them like that anymore, more's the pity. That's See My Baby Jive by Roy Wood and Wizard from the early 70s. When uh, 12 clarinets and 13 saxophones and two orchestras and two sets of backing singers and the guy with purple hair, which was about twice as big as his head and all of those things, made perfect sense at the time. And who knows what's going to make perfect sense in the coming months? Uh, something along those lines. Are we going to have a kind of cabaret-inspired Berlin 1930s vibe, or is it going to be like glam rock all over again? Who knows what strange monsters the sleep of dreams, in this case the sleep of the coronavirus, uh, will produce. Thanks very much for listening. Sorry if I've have I felt just a tiny bit flat this episode. I think I might have done it. That's probably because I am feeling a tiny bit flat at the moment. It's all very, uh, there's, just n- there's just nothing happening here. Uh, I guess no one, no one will give me a job because there's no job, there's no jobs to do. I just had got to sit and wait. It's exasperating, but I have very much enjoyed uh, just putting this episode together. And um, thank you very much for listening to it. I tried to cheer the mood a little with our uh, glam rock experimentation here. Uh, I mean, it, it wasn't all completely alternative. There were a couple of number ones towards the end, but uh, so. Frickin' what? <laughs> Thank you for listening. That's Sombrero Fallout. If you want to hear any other episodes, uh, please do go to sombrerofallout.com. Oh, my uh, oldest son, Jamie, has just come through the doors. Anything you'd like to say to our listeners, Jamie? You're good. Okay, that's fine. Well, thank you anyway. Uh, not often we have a guest appearance on Sombrero Fallout, but there was one right there. I'm going to sign off now. It'll be a much cheery episode next time round, and I'll be I'll be bright as a button. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Television.